So why don't we go on, if you don't mind, to your 74-year-old woman. Could we do that? Certainly. Get a little her two positivity in here. This patient is currently a 74-year-old woman who in 2006 had a mammogram that showed some suspicious microcalcs, but had a biopsy showing only ADH. Subsequently was followed with no further findings, but over several months prior to presentation, noticed a red rash and diffuse enlargement of her left breast. And at the time of presentation, in May of last year, had clear inflammatory carcinoma of the left breast with a palpable left axillary lymph node, biopsy confirmed, infiltrating ductal carcinoma, ERPR negative, HER2 positive, and at the time of diagnosis, she was found on staging scan on, I think, a PET at that time to have a solitary hypermetabolic liver lesion and multiple bone metastases. She was subsequently treated with carboplatin, taxol, and herceptin, which she received for six cycles, ending in December of last year. Then she was subsequently maintained on single-agent herceptin only. At the time, her chemotherapy had stopped. Her scan had shown remarkable improvement with total resolution of her hypermetabolic adenopathy, resolution of her liver met, and a marked decrease in the uptake of her bones. However, her left breast, which had markedly improved, was still somewhat erythematous and still hypermetabolic. So in February of this year, after completion of her combined therapy, she underwent a left mastectomy, which showed, to no surprise, various little tumor islets throughout the entire left breast with extensive lymphovascular and dermal lymphatic involvement. She was subsequently continued on her septin only, which she tolerated well until approximately a month and a half ago when she presented with an obvious cutaneous recurrence at her mastectomy site. This was a nodular red cutaneous lesion measuring about 4 by 3 centimeters. We did re-biopsy it for molecular studies, and it again was ERPR negative, HER2 strongly positive. And during the course of her workup over two weeks, the one area of nodular cutaneous involvement progressed to have uh, diffuse erythema over the entire left chest wall, extending to the left upper quadrant, left axilla, and faintly on the back. She was then treated with Zolota and Lapatinib. So she received capecitabine and Lapatinib. Her septin was continued. We did have her evaluated by a radiation oncologist, and she's continuing right now on systemic therapy only. At the time of her relapse, her scans again showed a recrudescence of the solitary liver lesion and more activity in her known bone metastases, but no numeric increase in bone mets. So you saw her today, and she's been on this new regimen of lapatinib, capecitabine, and trastuzumab for six weeks, was it? No, for less than six weeks. Yeah, about she's four and a half. About four and a half, half, half weeks. She actually had a very prompt and favorable reaction to treatment with a marked decrease in the size and intensity of her cutaneous lesions. 
That sounds great because when you describe up to this point, I'm like, whoa, this does not sound good. Mm-hmm. No, there's not a lot to see today. Really? She, in a very medial mm-hmm. edge of the mastectomy incision, still has an area that's a bit erythematous. It's got a couple of two millimeter, very superficial nodular areas, but the edges are not at all indurated. It's not at all tender. I really wasn't impressed with erythema throughout the rest of the chest wall or down on the abdominal wall where this had been before at all. So she's had a really excellent and very prompt response. And how is she doing in terms of side effects and tolerance of this regimen? She's having some GI toxicity. She is complaining of diarrhea, bloating, and gas. And the diarrhea is intermittent. She can say that one day she's going to have one bowel movement, the next day five. And there's really no good pattern to what treatment she's taking and her symptoms. But she clearly is symptomatic in that regard from her therapy. Yeah, and the more kind of bloating rumbling diarrhea might be coming feeling, got the sense, was more consistent and equally distressing. I think she's also having a struggle that a lot of patients have is just fitting this in with her life. This is important to know. This woman is the primary caretaker for her husband, who is virtually homebound. He needs 24-hour care. He's on oxygen. He has fairly end-stage Parkinson's disease. So she has a lot on her plate that she needs to be able to attend to and has been able to continue doing that throughout this therapy. But it does make when she eats a bit irregular. So trying to adjust, I take these on an empty stomach. I take these with food. And what do we do when we finally get everybody out to take dad out to IHOP? has, I think, been just a little bit of a logistic conundrum for her. Is she getting help from family or friends? She has two very supportive daughters, but one of whom, the one who accompanied her today, lives on the other side of the Chicago metropolitan area. So we're talking about a 25 to 30 mile each way commute for this daughter to drive from her home to pick up her mother to bring her back to our office and then back home again. So it really does impact. Interestingly enough, when the patient was on chemotherapy, both daughters and the husband accompanied her. And the husband, of course, was wheelchair-bound, oxygen-dependent, so we basically had two treatment chairs occupied, one for her husband and one for her. Wow, that's incredible. What kind of work has she done in the past? She's pretty much been a homemaker all of her life. She has done some clerical and office work. She basically worked in a bank. And what about her general health, comorbidities? Is she one of these 74 going on to 54, or does she have some problems? She doesn't have any significant comorbidities. Interestingly enough, she underwent a splenectomy at age 29. She and four of her children have hereditary spherocytosis. And she had never had splenectomy immunizations, which, of course, I promptly gave her prior to initiating chemotherapy. But she has some medically treated hypertension and hypercholesterolemia, but no other significant medical comorbidities. Now, are you doing anything to try to address these GI problems, thinking about dose changes or schedule changes or supportive medications? Well, that was the essence of our visit today. I imagine that certainly you must have been kind of nervous when you saw her coming in and thinking about maybe out-of-control local disease. Was she aware of that as a possibility? 
I think that she is aware, but chooses not to consciously address this. She is a very sanguine person with very anxious daughters who not only have gone to the internet, but have called the drug companies of the medications that she's getting. If anything, I think that's actually worked against her a little bit in this point. I mean, they have been incredibly supportive and involved, but they've been very strict with, you know, it says Cape Cytobine twice a day, and it should be 12 hours in between, and it needs to be this way. So besides the instructions that Pat in your office has provided her that include some flexibility to actually lead your life, her daughters have then imposed a level of rigidity that I think have hampered a bit adjustment. So we tried to get them to loosen up a little bit. Who actually came today? The daughter who has been basically her primary person. I think, and this actually just came out today, Apparently, the other daughter had a brain tumor about two years ago, benign but resected. And so the family feels that the patient who did not even tell them about her initial abnormal Mm -hmm. mammogram and benign biopsy at the time feel that they were kept in the dark and now feel almost remorseful that Mm -hmm. they hadn't been on top of their mother and that something perhaps was missed through their own negligence of watching her. So in response, they're watching her like a hawk right now. Yeah, she's not going to be going anywhere by herself anytime soon. And I think probably the two best things we could do for her today is to make clear to her, and particularly her daughter, that there is some flexibility here. Cape Cytobine twice a day with breakfast, with your evening meal, If that's not exactly 12 hours apart, as it is not for most of us, that's okay. That's not going to impact efficacy or toxicity, the lapatinib preferably on an empty stomach, but it doesn't have to be a full three hours, or you could pop the lapatinib when you go to bed, unless you're literally eating your evening meal and then trotting off to your jammies immediately after. So I think that will give her a little flexibility and hopefully mediate some of the side effects at the same time. Well, also, she's only been on it like a month, so hopefully you're going to be able to do something. What did you talk about doing right now to make her feel better? Well, exactly the things that Kathy had said, adjusting the scheduling of administration of the medications. We did lower her She's going to decrease her lipatinib dose a little bit. Lipatinib dose is going to be decreased some, and so we have some flexibility. Mm -hmm. We have some wiggle room, and if... As I always tell patients, if what we do today doesn't work, come back in two weeks because we'll try something different. What about supportive medications for her belly? Anything that you're using? Or are you? She's on an H2 blocker. She's on some Imodium. She actually hadn't been taking yeah. Imodium regularly, relying irregularly on Pepto-Bismol, but rather almost choosing to tough it out without taking some of those medications. So we've encouraged more of that supportive stuff. So Kathy, one of the things that I noticed that's interesting about the case is that the trastuzumab was continued with the CAPE and lapatinib. Mm -hmm. What do you think about that? So I probably wouldn't have because there isn't data with the triplet. But I can't say that it's an unreasonable idea because we do have data with the doublet of just trastuzumab plus lapatinib without chemotherapy in patients much more heavily pretreated, all of whom had progressed on a trastuzumab regimen, that the doublet appeared better than lapatinib monotherapy. So I don't think it's unreasonable. 
I think people do need to be aware that that doublet experience, though, did find that there is some increased toxicity with dual HER2 inhibition with those two agents combined. So you do need to lower the dose of lapatinib. I don't know what to expect about the addition of capecitamine to that, and would you need to further lower the dose? I suspect probably not, because it was not mainly GI side effects that seemed to be escalated with the combination. So I probably would have stopped it and said, we're still going to block her too, but moving on to a different drug. But she's doing well. She's had a glorious response after a very short time. So I'm not foolish enough to argue about something that's working. And I think that if the GI toxicity were to persist, there'd be a very low threshold for stopping the capecitabine, at least for now, and seeing whether the doublet will continue to give us the kind of results that she has. So I'm curious. I'm going to guess that you probably haven't used trastuzumab and lapatinib that much until ASCO 2008 when Joyce O'Shaughnessy presented those data just with those two agents together. Is that the case? And how much have you used just the two anti-HER2 agents alone, for example, in an advanced situation, which is what Joyce was presenting on? Actually, my own personal experience is very little. I've used them sequentially, but I've not used them together before this patient. How about you, Kathy? Well, so Joyce's randomized phase two study came from phase one data led by my institution. So I've done this a lot for several years because we participated in those studies. We're actually using it less now because the patients that we had typically used that strategy in had been patients who had already had capecitabine before we had the CAPE lapatinib data and before CAPE was approved, where it was tough to know what the CAPE lapatinib data would mean to them. Most of the patients where we think about this now have already had trastuzumab with different dance partners. They've had lapatinib with capecitabine. So it's a bit of a different population. So we used it a lot when we had folks kind of in that window where the available data didn't fit them. They had kind of already progressed beyond that. Have you combined any other chemo agents other than capecitabine with lapatinib, Kathy? We certainly have used it with paclitaxel in some folks up front who had contraindications to capecitabine or a couple of patients who said, I just, I hate taking pills, which I don't think just taking pills was an issue for this lady. It was more the logistics of the whole enterprise. But I have some patients who honestly tell me they have always struggled with taking pills. And the number of pills that someone needs to swallow a day with a capelopatinib regimen is pretty substantial. So for some of those patients, combining lapatinib with a different agent might be a better option for them. I think actually something that came out today that hopefully will give her and her daughters peace, her daughters really were beating themselves up. When she had this benign biopsy with ADH a couple of years ago, it was when one of the other daughters was having resection of this brain tumor. Mom didn't mention it to anyone. They didn't even know that this had happened until she was diagnosed now. They are very much out on the internet and reading and searching for information. They understand that some would have suggested tamoxifen as chemo prevention to her. And I think we're really kicking themselves and I think a bit beating up on mom Mm, that had she only told Mm -hmm. them, had they done this, then Mm -hmm. this wouldn't have happened and they wouldn't have been in this situation now. So I think it hopefully was helpful for them to hear very clearly mom's tumor now is flat out ERPR negative. Even had you been referred to an oncologist a couple of years ago, had you thought the idea of chemo prevention was just spectacular and taken the tamoxifen faithfully, it wouldn't have prevented this from happening. And I hope that will 
remove one source of angst from them? 